Welcome back to Good Moms Have Bad Days, Understanding Postpartum Mood Disorders. This is the companion podcast to the book of the same name by me, Erin Simpson. Um, first of all, Merry Christmas Eve, Eve, I think, is when this will come out. So I hope you're hanging in there and uh, making time for yourself. Um, and here we go with chapter four. Chapter four. The different types of postpartum mood disorders, how they're similar, how they're different, how they're diagnosed, and treatment options for each. First of all, the postpartum mood disorders that we are going to address address, excuse me, include postpartum psychosis, postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, postpartum panic disorder, and postpartum OCD. <clears throat> postpartum psychosis. The most worrisome of the postpartum mood disorders is postpartum psychosis. According to Postpartum Support International, postpartum psychosis is a rare illness compared to the rates of postpartum depression or anxiety. It occurs in approximately one or two out of every thousand deliveries or approximately 0.1% to 0.2% of births. The onset is usually sudden, most often within the first two weeks postpartum. Symptoms of postpartum psychosis can include delusions or strange beliefs, hallucinations, which can include seeing or hearing things that aren't there, feeling very irritated, hyperactivity, decreased need for or inability to sleep, paranoia and suspiciousness, rapid mood swings, difficulty communicating at times. The most significant risk factors for postpartum psychosis are a personal or family history of bipolar disorder, or a previous psychotic episode. Research suggests there is approximately a 5% suicide rate and a 4% infanticide rate associated with postpartum psychosis. This is because the woman experiencing psychosis is experiencing a break from reality. In her psychotic state, delusions and unrealistic beliefs make sense to her. They feel very real to her and are often religious. Immediate treatment for a woman going through psychosis is imperative. It is also important to know that many survivors of postpartum psychosis never had delusions containing violent commands. Delusions take many forms, and not all of them are destructive. Most women who experience postpartum psychosis do not harm themselves or anyone else. However, there is always a risk of danger. Psychosis includes delusional thinking and irrational judgment. This is why women with psychosis must be quickly assessed, treated, and carefully monitored by a trained perinatal mental health professional. Postpartum psychosis is temporary and treatable with professional help, but it is an emergency and it is essential that you receive immediate help. If you feel you or someone you know may be suffering from this illness, know that it is not your fault and you are not to blame. Call your doctor or an emergency crisis hotline right away so you can get the help you need. Postpartum Support International has a postpartum psychosis coordinator to provide additional assistance to women and families who are not in an emergency situation. You can contact Michelle Davidson at 703-298-3247 or at Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-E-R Davidson, D-A-V-I-D-S-O-N, at gmail.com. 
In an emergency, call the emergency hotline at 1-800-273-8255. Again, that's 1-800-273-8255. Postpartum depression. The most commonly talked about postpartum mood disorder is postpartum depression. According to the Mayo Clinic, postpartum depression may be mistaken for baby blues at first. The signs and symptoms are more intense and last longer, however, and may eventually interfere with your ability to care for your baby and handle other daily tasks. Symptoms usually develop within the first few weeks after giving birth, but may begin earlier during pregnancy or later, up to a year after birth. Postpartum depression signs and symptoms may include depressed mood or severe mood swings, excessive crying, difficulty bonding with your baby, withdrawing from family and friends, loss of appetite or eating much more than usual, inability to sleep or sleeping too much, overwhelming fatigue or loss of energy, reduced interest and pleasure in activities you used to enjoy, intense irritability and anger, fear that you're not a good mother, hopelessness, feelings of worthlessness, shame, guilt, or inadequacy, diminished ability to think clearly, concentrate, or make decisions, restlessness, severe anxiety and panic attacks, thoughts of harming yourself or your baby, recurrent thoughts of death or suicide. Untreated postpartum depression may last for many months or longer. Postpartum anxiety. According to Postpartum Support International, approximately 6% of pregnant women and 10% of postpartum women develop anxiety. Sometimes they experience anxiety alone, and sometimes they experience it in addition to depression. The symptoms of anxiety during pregnancy or postpartum might include constant worry, feeling that something bad is going to happen, racing thoughts, disturbances of sleep and appetite, inability to sit still, dizziness, hot flashes, and nausea. Risk factors for perinatal anxiety and panic include a personal or family history of anxiety, previous perinatal depression or anxiety, or thyroid imbalance. In addition to generalized anxiety, there are some specific forms of anxiety that you should know about. One is postpartum panic disorder. This is a form of anxiety with which the sufferer feels very nervous and has recurring panic attacks. During a panic attack, she may experience shortness of breath, chest pain, claustrophobia, dizziness, heart palpitations, and numbness, and tingling in the extremities. Panic attacks seem to go in waves, but it is important to know that they will pass and will not hurt you. Another form of anxiety is postpartum obsessive-compulsive disorder. Postpartum and antepartum anxiety are temporary and treatable with professional help. If you feel you may be suffering from one of these illnesses, know that it is not your fault and you are not to blame. You can use our resource page to reach out for help. We understand what you are going through and we will connect you to people who understand and can help. Postpartum Obsessive Compulsive Disorder. According to Postpartum Support International, postpartum OCD is the most misunderstood and misdiagnosed of the perinatal disorders. You do not have to be diagnosed with OCD to experience these common symptoms of perinatal anxiety. It is estimated that as many as 3 to 5% of new mothers and some new fathers will experience these symptoms. The repetitive, intrusive images and thoughts are very frightening and can feel like they come out of the blue. 
Research has shown that these images are anxious in nature, not delusional, and have a very low risk of being acted upon. It is far more likely that the parent with this symptom takes steps to avoid triggers and avoid what they fear is potentially harmful to the baby. Symptoms of perinatal obsessive compulsive disorder can include obsessions, also called intrusive thoughts, which are persistent repetitive thoughts or mental images related to the baby. These thoughts are very upsetting and not something the woman has ever experienced before. Compulsions, where the mom may do certain things over and over again to reduce her fears and obsessions. This may include needing to clean constantly, check things many times, or repeatedly count or reorder things. A sense of horror about these obsessions. Fear of being left alone with the infant. Hypervigilance in protecting the infant. Moms with postpartum OCD know that their thoughts are bizarre and that they are very unlikely to ever act on them. Risk factors for postpartum OCD include a personal or family history of anxiety or OCD. Postpartum OCD is temporary and treatable with professional help. If you feel you may be suffering from this illness, know that it is not your fault and you are not to blame. Postpartum depression in new fathers. According to Postpartum Support International, new fathers can experience postpartum depression too. They may experience anxiety, have changes in their usual eating or sleeping patterns, or feel sad, fatigued, or overwhelmed. The same symptoms mothers experience with postpartum depression. Fathers who are young, have a history of depression, experience relationship problems, or are struggling financially are most at risk of postpartum depression. Postpartum depression in fathers, sometimes called paternal postpartum depression, can have the same negative effect on partner relationships and child development as postpartum depression in mothers can. If you are a new father and experiencing symptoms of depression or anxiety during your partner's pregnancy or in the first year after your child's birth, talk to a healthcare professional. Similar treatments and supports provided to mothers with postpartum depression can be beneficial in treating postpartum depression in fathers. See more for dads in Chapter 9. Commonalities in Postpartum Mood Disorders The number one commonality among postpartum mood disorders is something feels off. After childbirth, of course you don't feel like yourself. You just had a baby ram through your vagina, which now looks like a Mack truck ran through it. Your boobs are enormous and achy, and you're more tired than you've ever been in your life. But this off feeling is in relation whatever to whatever is normal for you. If you're having a hard time finding that normal part of yourself, that's your first sign that something is off. I ignored it and said, I'm just tired, for a year until I was finally diagnosed. But that should have been my first sign that I was in trouble. And because I lost that piece of my normal self nearly three years ago, now four, it's been so hard to find it again and something I'm still struggling with. Another commonality is intrusive thoughts. Every new mom worries about taking a baby home the first time. Can you co-sleep? Are they still breathing in their little crib? Are they too hot in the swaddle? The questions and worries are nonstop, but do they elicit a panic? Are you doubting everything, including your gut instinct and your logical lizard brain telling you everything is fine? If so, you may be up against some postpartum depression or anxiety. But most importantly, any of the above symptoms are cause for concern and you should feel comfortable telling your partner about it so they can start keeping an eye on you. You should then call one of the resources at the start of this book, find a counselor in your area who can really help you through whatever it is you're feeling, even if it's not serious. Counseling never hurt anyone. Think of it as preventative care.
diagnosis. I mentioned it at the beginning, but I'll say it again. It's recommended that OBGYNs, midwives, and pediatricians all screen new moms for signs of postpartum mood disorders. Whether or not they do is up for debate and depends a lot on where you live, the age and training of your medical professionals, and other factors. In my experience and opinion, a lot of women are not being screened properly and are going undiagnosed for longer periods of time. An OBGYN should be able to diagnose you properly, but if they're not trained to really understand the signs and symptoms, you're better off mentioning it to them and getting a recommendation or referral for a therapist or psychiatrist in your area who can diagnose and treat you effectively. You don't want to be bounced around from one provider to the next because the quicker you can be diagnosed and start treatment, the quicker you can start to feel better. Um, And just going to insert here that um, if you are looking for a psychiatrist or um, a counselor, PSI has a directory where um, professionals who have been trained to work specifically with postpartum mothers, they are registered and you can look them up. Um, So again, head to postpartum.net to get that information. Um, Back to the book. You know when something is wrong with you, and in this case, it's 100% acceptable to call up a shrink and say, hey, I think I've got some postpartum depression or something going on, and I could use some help. It's better to ask for help than to wait for someone to give it to you. A disclaimer, this next part gets pretty dense, but it's worth a read or listen if you want to know all of your options, even if you're currently undergoing a treatment plan. The more you know and all that. Treatment options. There is no one-size-fits-all treatment for these disorders. As you'll learn from the interviews later in this book, women have had different experiences, been diagnosed at different times, and have sought different treatments for their disorders. Everyone's hormones and brain chemistry are different. Some women respond well to medication, some need intensive therapy, group therapy, etc. You've got to find what works for you. It helps if you've got at least a counselor you can talk to who can also help you find the resources to get on the right track. The following is taken from an article published in the International Journal of Women's Health in 2011. Pharmacological Treatments for Postpartum Depression, Antidepressant Medication. A small but growing literature suggests that postpartum depression can be thought of as a variant of major depression that responds similarly to antidepressant medication. Concerns unique to pharmacologic treatment of PPD include metabolic changes in the postpartum period, exposure of the infant to medication in breast milk, the effect of depression and treatment on the ability of the depressed mother to care for a new baby, and the perceived stigma of being seen as a, quote, bad mother for requiring medication. These factors, as well as the woman's level of distress, access to care, and experience with past treatment may influence the decision of the patient and her caregiver regarding the choice of pharmacologic and non-pharmacologic treatments for PPD. Data comparing the effectiveness of medication against other treatment modalities for PPD are scarce, though do suggest that medications are at least as effective as most psychological interventions based on effect size. To date, Four randomized controlled studies on the treatment of PPD with antidepressant medications have been published, along with several open trials. Additionally, um, two randomized studies have looked at the prevention of PPD with antidepressant medication. In a study of 87 women with major or minor depression in the postpartum period, 
Subjects were randomized to one of four groups receiving either fluoxetine, also known as Prozac, or placebo plus one or six cognitive behavioral therapy-based counseling sessions. You might have um, heard that as referred to as CBT. Breastfeeding mothers were excluded from the study. Improvement was seen in all groups with greater reduction in depression severity in the fluoxetine group compared to the placebo medication and greater improvement with six counseling sessions compared to one. Women receiving both fluoxetine and counseling did not differ significantly in outcome compared to women who received fluoxetine alone. Because the mean baseline level of depressive symptoms based on rating scales was mild, these findings are not easily generalized to a population with more severe postpartum depression. A subsequent study randomized 35 women with postpartum depression and comorbid anxiety to receive paroxetine or paroxetine plus CBT for 12 weeks. Both groups showed significant improvement in depressive and anxiety symptoms. Response rates 87.5% in the paroxetine, also known as Paxil, group and 78.9% in the combined group, without significant differences between groups. The study did not include a placebo arm, making analysis of the specific effects of either intervention difficult. A third study compared paroxetine to placebo in an eight-week randomized controlled trial. The attrition rate in this study was high, with only 31 of 70 participants completing the study, 17 in the paroxetine arm and 14 in the placebo arm. But the authors found lower mean severity scores and a higher remission rate after eight weeks of treatment with paroxetine compared to placebo. Very few studies have compared different classes of medications used in postpartum depression. One comparative study found treatment with nortriptyline, which is also known as Pamelor, to yield similar outcomes as treatment with sertraline or Zoloft. After eight weeks of treatment in this large randomized double-blind trial, both groups showed improvement and response rates. Nortriptyline had 69%, sertraline had 56%. Remission rates were in nortriptyline 48% and 46% in sertraline. And side effects burden were similar between groups at 4, 8, and 24 through side effect profiles deferred. There was no placebo arm. The response rate could be predicted earlier in the group receiving sertraline, but the overall response rates were equivalent. Sub-analyses of, of this study revealed an improvement in maternal role function and sexual function that was equivalent in both groups. Several open studies have found sertraline, as well as Effexor, Nifazidone, Fluvoxamine, and Bupropion to be effective in the treatment of postpartum depression. These studies have been small, with 4 to 15 participants, lacked control groups, and in several cases were sponsored by the pharmaceutical companies manufacturing the study drug. Though there is little data comparing medications to placebo in the perinatal population, taken together, data from both the controlled and open studies suggest that antidepressants typically used to treat major depression are equally effective in postpartum depression, without clear differences between medications and efficacy and side effect burden. Therefore, some experts recommend that if a patient has responded to a specific antidepressant in the past, that medication should be among the first to be sorry, first to be considered in treating her depression in the postpartum. Um, and real quick, um, 
I am medicated. I Zoloft saved my life. I know medication isn't for everybody and therapy and cognitive behavioral therapy can do wonders for people. I need both and um, I still need both and there's no shame in that. So um, please don't feel like there's any, at least not from me and other moms I know, there is no shame in the medicine game. As the memes and everything go, you know, store-bought dopamine is just fine. Whatever is going to help you um, show up every day for yourself and your family works. Um, that's just my little disclaimer before we get into the next part. Breastfeeding considerations. The benefit of breastfeeding have been well described and have led to the World Health Organization, the American Academy of Pediatrics, and the American Academy of Family Practitioners to recommend breastfeeding for at least the first six months for most women. Potential effects of antidepressant medication on breastfeeding are of concern to many mothers and clinicians. The report continues, the long-term risks of low-level exposure to antidepressant medication in breast milk are largely unknown. The risks of untreated maternal depression are well-known and significant. Some experts recommend that if medication treatment is indicated, clinical factors such as the patient's prior response or non-response to an individual medication rather than data on blood levels should take precedence in the choice of first-line agent. Decisions about initiating antidepressant medication during breastfeeding and the choice of agent must be made on a case-by-case -case basis and should involve a discussion of clinical factors, including severity of the depressive symptoms and prior response to medications and or psychotherapy, known and unknown risks of the medication, the known risks of under or under-treated depression, and the patient's preferences. Regardless of which antidepressant medication a, a breastfeeding mother takes, the infant's pediatrician should be made aware of the possible exposure and the infant should be monitored for changes in the feeding patterns, sleeping patterns, sedation, irritability, and other signs of drug toxicity. As blood levels have not been correlated with adverse effects, routine lab testing of infant blood levels is not currently recommended. All of that came from the, an article by Elizabeth Fiedelson, Treatment of Postpartum Depression, Clinical, Psychological, and Pharmacological Options from December 30th, 2010, published in the International Journal of Women's Health. So, a psychiatrist is not going to prescribe something that will hurt your baby. If there is even a slight risk to your baby, they won't put you on medication or they'll put you on the lowest dose possible. But your health and your happiness are more important than breastfeeding for a year. I hate to break it to you, but they are. There is no shame in formula feeding your baby. Formula has come a long way. Your baby is better off getting his or her nutrients from a bottle and having a healthy, loving mother than having an emotionally distraught mother breastfeed them while just trying to keep it together to make it through another day. You have to put yourself first in order to take care of your child. You are the ship, and if you go down, the entire family goes down with you. This was hard to hear from my therapist, but it was 100% what I needed to hear. Some other treatment options um, that were in that article I mentioned include hormone therapy, which I'm not going to get into here because it's long and arduous and you got to talk to your doctor anyway because everybody's body is different. Um, another treatment option is 
psychological and psychosocial treatments for postpartum mothers. So therapy, lots and lots of therapy. And that can be individual therapy. That could be intensive therapy, like in a um, controlled setting, like a uh, mental health clinic. It could be, um, did I say group therapy? (laughs) Group therapy, support groups, individual therapy, um, whatever it takes to get you to realize you're not alone and help to process all of the weird stuff that you are feeling. Weird and totally normal. Weird to you because it's just bonkers. Um, And then there's peer and partner support. Um, You know, talk to your friends. Talk to your other mom friends. Find a support group on PSI's website. Um, Email me. Find Instagram support groups. There's tons of postpartum mothers out there who have formed these great communities online and are always doing either like group chats to talk about it, Q&As kind of stuff. Um, You know, don't be alone. Um, Other recommendations are um, bright light therapy. So getting a sun lamp to kind of help with that um, depressive stuff. It works for seasonal depression too. Um, for more serious depressive issues, um, electroconvulsive therapy is still sometimes recommended. It's not as popular, I don't think, but it, it's still there. Um, omega-3 fatty acids are supposed to help. Um, and let's see what else. acupuncture and massage if nothing else you'll feel good for an hour um and have some quiet time also exercise of course um i get into it later but um at this juncture of your life you should only be exercising for the sake of your sanity, not to get that post baby body back or whatever. Um, a little bit of movement a day, a little bit of outside time, anything that gets you out of your head, out of that funk, out of that bubble of spit up and crying baby and laundry that needs to be done, blah, blah, blah. All of that, just get outside, get your body moving, get those endorphins pumping. Um, and again, just do it for the sake of your sanity. Don't set any fitness goals right now. Um, It's the same reason they tell you, uh, you know, not to cut your hair when you're pregnant or make any big life decisions while you're pregnant because everything is upside down, topsy-turvy. So just start small and do it as often as you can. It really does help. It's been a big game changer for me. I ran before I had kids. I finally got back this year to running regularly and it has been a huge help um, along with my therapy and medication because one thing doesn't cut it. So you got to try several. Um, so I guess, you know, at the end of the day, there is no one-size-fits-all treatment for postpartum mood disorders, but we have come a long way. There are a lot of things you can try to find that work for you. And, um, uh, postpartum international 
I know I say it all the time, but their website, postpartum.net, is a wealth of resources, including a website that you can speak to um, people who are knowledgeable about medications and the effect on breastfeeding, what's safe, what's not, what's recommended, um, and get current information on those things. So go to that website if you have any other questions. Um, and uh, in the book, I mentioned that you know, we have come a long way um, because it has only been in the last few decades that doctors have actually taken postpartum mood disorders seriously and differentiated between them and other psychological disorders. In another 10 or 20 years, hopefully the struggle won't be quite so bad and, you know, moms will be even more better off. So um, <laughs> the... I include in the book a chart that is called The History of Postpartum Mood Disorder Diagnoses, and the information is from Sadness and Support, A Short History of Postpartum Depression. So in the 4th century, Hippocrates makes the first known reference to postpartum depression, stating cause was suppression of lochia and blood in the breasts, referred to it as mania and madness. In the 13th century, Tortula, female physician, believed postpartum depression was cause of moisture in the body after childbirth. And the quote says, If the womb is too moist, the brain is filled with water, and the moisture running over the eyes compels them to involuntarily shed tears. In the Middle Ages, women who exhibited melancholy during or after childbirth were thought to be witches or victims of witchcraft. In the 16th century, Disturbances of the maternal instinct focus on moms who kill their children. Melancholic filicide led to the study of postpartum disorders. In the 19th century, Jean-Étienne Esquirol says postpartum depression and psychosis is either purpural, which occurs in the first six weeks, or lactational after six weeks, but no scientific basis for it. Treatments included warm baths, opium, <laughs> restraints, and separation from infants and family. In the 20th century, several scientists claimed postpartum disorders were no different than dementia, precox, uh, manic depression, and delirium, and petitioned the American Medical Association and American Pediatrics Association to remove it from diagnostic manuals. I'm rolling my eyes so hard. Um, two Freudian scientists said it was the result of frigid personalities, suppressed homosexuality, and unresolved Oedipal longings for their fathers. What the hell? Uh, Post-World War II, it was noted women weren't seeking care for fear of being committed and separated from their children. Shocker. Um, British and Australian psych wards developed to accommodate mothers and children so mothers could receive care with their babies. In 1968, Bryce Pitt describes a typical depression, atypical, in postpartum, acknowledging depression is different from psychosis. Pitt conducts the first community-based study of postpartum depression and found 10.8% of women had the disorder. In 1994, postpartum depression is finally officially recognized in the Diagnostic Statistical Manual. In 2006, Brooke Shields publishes Down Came the Rain, making postpartum depression part of the national conversation. And in the 2010s, lots of research being done and universal screening recommended in the U.S. Um, I have to go back to 2006 and Brooke Shields. That was such 
like controversy when it first happened. And I'll never forget Tom Cruise, um, because he's a Scientologist, saying that that was that was fake. She was a liar. It didn't exist. wasn't a real problem. And in 2007, I went on a blind date, and we were at dinner. And I mean, I didn't have kids. I at that point, I didn't think I even wanted to have any. I was just on a date with a guy, and he brings up, and he was a science teacher, I think, I don't know, but he brought up at dinner that he thought postpartum depression was fake and a racket, and I got up from the table, I excused myself, got up from the table, went to the bar, got a shot, told, went back and said, we're done, have a great night. Because that is some bullshit. And sadly, there are probably still people who believe that. Um, but postpartum is real. It is treatable. And um, a lot of us moms are dealing with it or have dealt with it and will deal with it. Um, but you're not alone and things will get better. So hang in there. Merry Christmas and be kind to yourself and others. Bye.